are entering the Freedom Hut. What a day of hysteria. You have the left, the Democrats, much of the media, including some of the more centrist media, saying that it was a treason summit between Trump and Putin. My friends, I will peel away the craziness, the histrionics, the exaggerations, and discuss with you what really happened today, what did not, what it means going forward, and why everyone just needs to take a breath and take a chill. That and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Our relationship has never been worse than it is now. However, that changed as of about four hours ago. Nothing would be easier politically than to refuse to meet. As president, I cannot make decisions on foreign policy in a futile effort to appease partisan critics or the media or Democrats who want to do nothing but resist and obstruct. I would rather take a political risk in pursuit of peace than to risk peace in pursuit of politics. People came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. What happened to the servers of the Pakistani gentleman that worked on the DNC? I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. It was quite a Helsinki summit. Oh, my. Uh, watched the whole thing today. You saw people in in a level of, of rage. I mean, they, they have not been, I think, this upset at Trump. Since the day of the, what was this, the day of the the Muslim ban announcement, right? That was maybe the last time I can remember this much. Oh, no, actually, they haven't been this upset at Trump really probably since uh, since the uh, Charlottesville white supremacist rally. Um, they, they are very angry at the president. A lot of Republicans. I saw the statement from John McCain. Everyone's, everyone's just piling on, piling on, piling on. Okay, let's try to peel this back for a moment. You know, I, I know it's, it's very easy to, to, at this point, take the position of, well, you know, I love Trump. He's doing a great job, but, you know, this was uh, this was a huge, huge, terrible thing, and we should all be ashamed, and we'll, you know, hopefully the president will get back on track tomorrow or something. I'd say this. Said there, was a, an, there were errors today, to be sure. I mean, I, I can't. I can't say the president of the United States standing up you know, next to Putin, who can I just say, you know, th- there's some perspective I'd like to add to this. Like, for example, Putin is no worse now than he was four years ago or eight years ago or 15 years ago. OK, he in fact, he hasn't invaded any countries recently and he has invaded a bunch of countries. He did invade a bunch of countries when Obama was president. I, I, this is not what about is and this is fair game because they're saying they're comparing. Look at Trump now versus what Obama said. Look at Trump now versus previous presidents. OK. Well, Russia has gone way out of line with previous presidents 
in a way that we have not seen yet with Trump as president. Remember, the election hacking, people get yelling at me for this. The election hacking happened on Obama's watch. And by the way, this this little line that gets skipped over, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, well, and, and I saw someone over at CNN said, oh, well, you know, was it was the Obama administration asleep at the wheel? No, that's actually a convenient narrative. It's not that the Obama administration was napping on this one. It's not that the Obama administration got caught off guard with Russia election interference, which we're, we're talking about Facebook accounts and Twitter bots, folks. I mean, this is not this is not the, you know, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And people are calling it that, which is just even crazier. The actual impact of this was almost certainly zero. What this did, as people say, oh, it undermined our democracy, it, it, you know, it, 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 it calls into question the foundations of the republic, of the future, of the thing, of the... No, 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 no. It, it, it accomplished almost certainly zero. Nothing. All the things the Russians did, it... Maybe caused uh, Podesta a, a day or two of embarrassment. It caused a little bit of infighting in the DNC. Finally, one Democrat who changed his or her mind about voting for Hillary because of the, the WikiLeaks hack. I mean, I have not met a single person. I haven't heard anybody say that that happened. I also need to know. Hold on a second. So there's nothing. There was nothing really bad in the DNC or the Podesta emails, right? Nothing to see here. But the hack of those emails by a simple phishing scam, which you have probably been subjected to yourself in other auspices many times, I know I have, is the, is, is the cyber 9-11 of our era. This is, this is hysterics. This is insanity. And I know that right now, you know, they've created this, this narrative. The media has created this construct of, you know, Trump is Putin's puppet. Why is he doing this? Look at what he's doing. And, and that said, I wish Trump would make it harder for them sometimes to say these things right today you know today he he scored a couple of own goals no question about it but he was being trump in the way that he speaks he was being imprecise and you know the 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 actual statement he gave i went back and read every word of the transcript twice today after the press conference just so i didn't miss anything and i want to make sure i saw everything that statement he gave was fine he's meeting with trump he's trying to have you know some I'm sorry, meeting with Putin, he's trying to have some rapport building, some relationship building. He said pretty straightforward stuff. It was in the Q&A when they start asking him about all this, you know, the you know Russia and hacking and do you, you know, what, well, who do you believe in all this stuff? And the press, they feel like they finally got him with this stuff. They finally got him. Now, it, they're, they're, I, I find this bothersome on multiple levels. As I said, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Trump didn't, make their job easier than he should have because he did okay he, he he knows better but i also sit here in judgment of a man who is completely under siege by the media i mean the histrionics you see from this media oh you canceled the meeting with us or he didn't do this or you know he's destroying democracy i mean all this stuff that you're hearing all the time is it's just it's it's lunacy they're not covering this president. They're trying to tear this president down. Any obvi- any honest observer would see the obvious here, which is that the, the media, by and large, I know it's not Fox, it's not talk radio, it's not, it's not the Hill, you know, but the media, by and large, is an opposition party to this president. That's it. They're not trying to tell stories about national policy. They're not trying to inform the public. They're trying to propagandize to the public. 
and they want to destroy this administration and everybody around it and pretend like it never happened and sow the earth with salt and install Hillary as our, you know, our great savior. Hello! Which I'm going to have nightmares just thinking about it. I will walk you through the the good, the bad, and, and the ugly here. I'll walk you through all of the different components of, of what happened and because I think it's really important because you're going to hear a lot of stuff over the next few days about how you know th- th- this is such an outrage and how could Trump and, and the, the primary area where where I do not like what Trump did because it actually is a little bit of Obamaism okay so look we're, I'm keeping it real I'm going to tell you what I think is being overblown and overstated I don't like the well you know we did bad. It was actually really Trump's tweet before the meeting and, and some of the insinuations or some of the suggestions when he says, you know, they, bit, they did bad stuff. We did bad stuff. It's kind of our fault. It's kind of their fault. No, 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 no. Obama's Russia policy was a joke and it's bad, but Russia is in a class by itself when it comes to doing bad stuff. All right. You just run down the whole list. Russia currently has a defector, which is what Snowden is in their custody, who God knows how much how much damage he's done to our long-term intelligence and military capabilities because he wanted us all to know that, you know, that the stuff we do online, the internet, the government's monitoring, like, great. I, I mean, I, I thought everybody kind of knew that already. I don't know really what's new. By the way, no laws have changed really because of this. Nothing has really been altered of any significance in your life as a result of what Snowden has done. But I know people get very mad about that. Snowden's a whistleblower. No, Snowden's a defector. And he betrayed his country. So the Russians have given him safe harbor. The Russians, they do imprison and murder journalists. They they do act, you know, it's a kleptocracy. I mean, you had a you had a country that went through, that decided or that, you know, had this process of privatization of assets where the people who, you know, had the biggest clubs and the most guns basically got to pri- got to privatize all the national assets. And that's how you got oligarchs and billionaires. These people are not geniuses who were in that country. They, they didn't start Google. You know, they didn't start Apple. They were like, you'll give me this or I'll bash your skull. That's it. You know, this is a, this is one of the problems we have with all these Russian billionaires running around. Not so impressed. They were the guys at the top of the Intel and mafia hierarchy. And they, you know, to the victor went the spoils, so to speak. So I, I have no illusions about Russia, no illusions about Putin. Do not think he's a good guy. People love this whole thing, though. Of, you know, everyone needs to chill with this. He's a, he's a former intelligence officer. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. I'm a former intelligence officer. You know, not all of us are bad. You know, let's, let's, not, get all, let's not get crazy here. Former intelligence officer is trained in deception and lies. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Settle that down. Stow that, Captain. Um, but no, he is, he's a KGB guy and, and he's, he's, uh, you know, the guy's got ice in his veins and, you know, you, you wouldn't want him to have power of life and death over you. That much is for sure. Okay, fine. I don't like the, you know, they do bad things. We do bad things construct because that's what the left does all the time. And I think Trump fell into that today. And that's my main point of criticism that that part of it is, but it's also rhetorical, which is why I sit here like, Buck, why aren't you as panicked oh my gosh bipartisan backlash and all these republicans on the hill just rushing i'm just you know i just don't feel like anyone is supporting or you know america because trump and they're just everyone take the temperature down a little bit nothing has changed because of trump's meeting today and i'm seeing all these people saying oh my gosh the decades to come we'll be talking no it's just not true oh does anyone think 
that Putin now makes moves against the United States because he thinks he understands Trump so well? I don't mean this disrespectfully, but Trump doesn't understand Trump so well. You think Putin wants to get on the wrong side of this guy? You know, I've said it before, but, you know, for those of you who are fans of Tombstone, you want Doc Holliday on the street howitzer, if you know what I mean. You want the guy, sometimes the, 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 the one that has the most firepower to be the one that nobody really knows, like, you know, they don't want to mess with him. So that's another part of this. I, and by the way, I think that's a... If this North Korea situation works out, it'll be in large part because Kim Jong-un's like, ah, this guy, I don't, I don't think this guy's playing. I don't think he's messing around when he says that if we step out of line. And with Obama, what we saw was he was, it was messing around. It was all for show. It was all multilateralism and let's all be friends and let's all chat. So, but, so when, when we look at this, you know, on the one, my main point of criticism, and this is what I want you to take away from this, and then we'll get into the intel component of this and. John Brennan, the former CIA director, you know, tweeting out crazy stuff. And, you know, Anderson Cooper, who's uh, not an opinion journalist, but says it's the worst thing he's ever seen from a president. Or, well, John, can you grab that audio, by the way? I don't see that on our list here, and I definitely want that um, just to refer to it. Uh, here's what I'll say. I don't like the I don't like the we're bad, they're bad construct ever because America is better than everybody else. OK, so let's start with that. And I think Trump didn't mean it that way, but it didn't sound good. And, it, and it's not it's not helpful. OK, fine. The other side of it, let's just start from nothing changed today. Nothing happened. You know, no terrible decision was made. No one started a war. No one fired. No one even fired off a limited missile strike or, you know, engaged in some behavior that's going to be, you know, haunting us for years or decades to come. That's all hysteria. That's all hysteria. That's all people unleashing all this pent up anxiety and craziness that's been built up by a media apparatus that just wants to see Trump destroyed all going to be okay i will tell you how and why we'll look at what the here's the big point of contention that i want to get into now they're they're saying look at what trump said about who he believes his intel agencies or the russians it's like oh my gosh he's undermined all the intelligence first of all everyone i know who's a trump supporter and i know quite a few are in the intel agencies like yeah it's trump but anyway i want to get into what's really going on here why would trump say what he said and also, what do we need to work into this conversation to really understand the full depth of it? And, you know, I'm, one advantage you have here, listen to this show, is I've actually been in the room with the CIA director talking about top-level intelligence policy. I've actually been in the room with the president previously talking about intelligence matters. I've run the briefing for the president in the Oval Office. So when I'm telling you, like, this is kind of what I'm seeing going on in the intel world, not just some guy that read it in a book somewhere. Although you can learn a lot in books. Uh, I've actually experienced it. So that's one fun advantage you have listening to this show versus to, versus pretty much every other show across the country right now on radio or TV. So I got that going for me, which is nice. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. More on this Helsinki Summit when we come back. Uh, you have been watching perhaps one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president uh, at a summit in front of a Russian leader, certainly that I've ever seen. Shameful, disgraceful, treasonous. I mean, I've never heard an American president talk that way. But on an international stage to be talking about Hillary's server and what it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. 
They came across as playmates on a soccer field uh, more than they did international rivals. What many would say disgraceful performance. He chose to stand with Russia and walk away from our rule of law and our system of justice. It's just pathetic. He criticized American citizens, Secretary Clinton and um, uh, others, as opposed to really taking advantage of a world stage with all the world's eyes upon them to point out how unacceptable Russia's behavior and interference in our election and the elections of other democratic countries around the globe is. But he just shirked those responsibilities. I just, I cannot understand how the national security team can continue to abide by this and how Pompeo and Bolton and Kelly can continue in their jobs. Uh, this, I think, rises to the point of uh, good American patriots resigning. Yeah, that's right. Let, let's just have all the top national security officials resign from the United States government. That's a great idea, John Brennan, who formerly voted for a communist, by the way. Uh, you, you heard it all there, folks. Disgraceful, pathetic, treasonous even. In fact, Brennan himself, who was a, is a super hack uh, and a, a leftist extraordinaire, which now we know, right? Thanks to social media, we know who these people really are. Before, they'd say, oh, no, just look at my resume. I'm just a, I'm just a public servant, right? They used to play that game all the time. Same thing with the media. Oh, I'm just a down-the-middle journalist. Well, your last 10 tweets were negative to Trump, and you've never shown a tweet that was positive to him, so maybe we're on to something here. Here's what Brennan wrote. Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's press conference performance in Helsinki rises to and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. It was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump's comments imbecilic, he is wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? How is it treasonous? What? Are we, are, we're not at war with Russia. He's not giving aid to the enemy in a time of war. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, no. I guess we figured out what's going on here. The left, the Democratic Party, really believes that hacking Podesta and the DNC's email accounts with a phishing scam, which is effectively a prank, and propaganda via Facebook and Twitter is war. Well, they better strap on a helmet and grab the M4, my friends, because... War is a messy and dangerous business. Uh, we got to talk more about this. We'll be right back. Liberty, truth, and great hair. The Buck Sexton Show is back. Truly, truly extraordinary moment in American history. Something I thought... I would never see uh, up first the president of the United States delivering a stunning rebuke to his own U.S. intelligence community with the entire world watching, not just the intelligence community, but the U.S. law enforcement community, including his own Justice Department and his FBI. Standing right next to the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin, at a joint news conference here in Helsinki, the president simply refused to side with his own U.S. intelligence and law enforcement agencies in the Russia investigation. Let's engage in some forbidden thoughts here, my friends. Let's do the analysis that we're not allowed to do. How about that? Why not, right? Let's just go for it. Let's forget about what they want us to think, what they want us to say. Forget about all the things that they would say if any of them listening to this show or heard me talking to you or heard your thoughts in response to me. Um, Let's just try to 
get right down to it, shall we? A few things that come to mind here. And I, 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 have, I have so much on this. I mean, we could spend, gosh, we could spend not just the whole show. We spent a whole week just talking about this. But I'll try to cut down to the essential parts. I know your time is very valuable, and I don't want to waste any of it. Uh, but on the forbidden thought side, first of all, let's say Trump had said, yeah, I, I know what I, I I believe my intelligence community, and I think that that uh, my distinguished colleague or you know whatever distinguished counterpart here, Mr. Putin, is is incorrect in his assessment. If he had said that, if he had sided with his intelligence community, do you think it would have resulted in any less of the histrionics, the hysterics, and the complete freakout we've seen from the media? No, of course not. Would it buy him any goodwill? Would they stop saying he's Putin's puppet? Would they stop saying that there's some mysterious information that Putin's holding over his head, right? Trump's a billionaire, folks. He didn't need this, right? He didn't have to do this. He's not like Hillary. It's not like this was, you know, ever since he was 10, ah, I got to be president, right? It's not, it's not him. We're lucky that he saved us from Hillary. I am grateful to this man for saving us from not just Hillary, but decades of left-wing Sotomayor-style justices on the Supreme Court who would just be just... You want to talk about undermining institutions? Sotomayor takes a chainsaw to the Constitution. It's a joke. You want to deal with that? That's the future you want? That's the country you want to live in? Join the never-Trumpers. You want to get down to some of the lost analysis here? Some of the things that don't really make sense we should ask some questions about? Well, then you know where you are. You're hearing the freedom up, my friends. Let's get to it. So, for, so this whole notion of him siding, oh, if he had only, uh, like, like if he had sided with the intel community, there'd be no problem. But now let's, let's take a look at this for a moment, shall we? I'm old enough to remember, because I worked in the CIA's Iraq office. You can imagine. That meant that I knew quite a bit about, and now I wasn't in it during the whole WMD run-up, but I knew quite a bit about how that went down, who, you know, who was involved, and what happened, and everything else. And for eight years of the, well, no, more than that, for the eight years of the Obama administration and for five years of the Bush administration, all I ever heard was, oh, my gosh, you see how stupid the intelligence community, the CIA was on Iraq WMD? They're such idiots. And we went to war over that. A lot of people died over that decision. Now, I don't plan on relitigating the wisdom of going into Iraq right now, but to be sure, there were problems in the analysis about the WMD. And it was a mistake that the Bush administration made because there was a case for regime change in Iraq that was not solely dependent on WMD that could have been made and I think might have been compelling enough that we would have had an international mandate to do it. But they decided to go with WMD, and that's a whole other thing. But they would say that the CIA was you know, full of idiots and we all they don't know anything. The intelligence community is infamous for its underperformance, et cetera, et cetera, right? Full of idiots. CIA, full of imbeciles, according to the left. And torturers. They want to talk about undermining institutions? Well, what do you think it's like when your col- some of your colleagues are worried that the Obama administration, the new Obama administration, might prosecute them for doing their jobs, including with a legal opinion from the White House counsel about how this is how, I'm talking about enhanced interrogation, this is legal. You have you have the White House lawyers saying, yes, this is legal. And then you got a new administration that's like, ah, maybe we should throw you in prison forever, ruin your life and your reputation because, you know, the left wing wants some scalps. You think that? Oh, and Buck, he didn't do that. Yeah, he thought about it. 
real close to doing it. You think that made people that work in the intelligence community on the front lines feel good? I'm talking about on the front lines, too. Not the, uh, the, the desk-bound analysts, of which I am quite familiar, my friends, who tend to be very left-wing, intelligence community-wide, just as I've been telling you about law schools and the penetrations of the left everywhere else across the country, which we are not paying enough attention to. The bureaucracy has gone hard left. And to that point, to that, well, that's a perfect transition, but let me hold on the bureaucracy going hard left for a second. This is important. This is important. This is a show that I hope some of you will play back and listen to more than once, or you'll listen to it more than once, not play it back. That might be a little intense, but you'll listen to it more than once. I think there's some very important arguments. You won't hear them anywhere else, at least not that I'm aware of. I spent all day going through the transcripts, reading the indictment last week. By the way, the indictment last week's a joke. It's a joke. Bunch of bunch of Russian GRU officers. They are drinking vodka by the bottle, laughing their butts off at Mueller. He's going to indict us. Yeah, that's funny. It is funny. It's not going to do anything. But I'll get to that. There's so much here that no one's spending time focusing. Oh my gosh, Trump is a traitor. No. False. Lies. Stop. But they said that, back to just the undermining of the institutions and, and the, the games left is willing to play, they said that that the, you know, that the WMD, CIA, intelligence community, the intelligence community was, was abused by the left and by the media for years because of what happened in Iraq and for missing 9-11. Okay? And, and, but now we're told that they're infallible. The same thing you've, you've kind of seen, a little different, but you know, for years under the Obama administration, the real story, I mean, the, the, real, the real ideology behind, say, the Black Lives Matter movement and CNN, which was gleefully covering like these protests and people burning down buildings and looting CVSs and selling all the pills on the streets. And, you know, look at this fire. Look at this building behind us. It's on fire. Gosh, but it's a mostly peaceful protest. People, Mostly peaceful. Only some buildings on fire. Mostly peaceful. But the, the main storyline you'd get from the left was that cops, uh, you know, of whom I worked with and have cops in my in my family. Cops are racist, basically, and including just for, so we're all clear, black and Hispanic and other all cops. Right. So that's the, at least I guess they were across the board on this one. Cops are basically racist. That was the real underlying message of the Black Lives Matter movement and that, you know, that they're hunting and murdering young black men. And by the way, I'll debate any I I I. Took Van Jones's argument apart on this issue on TV on Wolf Blitzer's show, and they never had me back on Wolf Blitzer's show after that, because he did the whole. Well, that's not what they say. Actually, Van, I was at the Black Lives Matter protests. I have audio of it. I have video of it. I was there. I took photos. This is what they say. This is the mentality. This is the ideology. Don't don't tell me. I covered it. They're not creating a climate of hate towards cops. Yeah, they are. Notice how that was what they're doing the Obama years. And now, with the FBI, oh, how dare you? All the FBI agents are looking at this, and they're, they can't believe the president is... I want to ask you, if, if, if you got an FBI agent 15 years in the job, doing the, doing the real law enforcement work, not like hobnobbing with policymakers in D.C., like out at a field office somewhere, what do you think the chances he's probably more pro-Trump than he's pro-Hillary? Just, just put that out there. I think you know the answer. You know, if you're a really law and order guy, are you you tend to be more on Trump's side of the issue or you tend to be more? Just putting that, OK, so but the, the, the real issue here for me is that 
They degrade these institutions when it's convenient for them. And then for political reasons, they pretend to care so much about them. And I speak from from, you know, I saw I mean, the whole Scooter Libby thing was just a an effort to uh, use, you know, use the intelligence community and, and use the, the feud over Iraq as, as a kind of as a political weapon, as a political catharsis for the left. They just needed to get somebody. Right. That's what that was all about. They need to get somebody and they want to get somebody now. Uh, but they're willing to undermine institutions, no question about it. And they've done in the past. And now on Trump's point, and this is what got them all so upset, right? I know I haven't played that much sound from the press conference. I'll play more. We've got plenty of time. I'm also going to make fun of the left's new superstar for being a complete ignoramus. On geopolitics? We'll get to that. Ocasio-Cortez, quite an interview she gave, folks. The left's new progressive star. Yeah, I just don't know about that, really. We'll get there. But here's what Trump said. This is the big, the, the oh my gosh moment, or there are a couple of oh my gosh moments, I guess, but play clip 12. I have confidence in both parties. I, I really believe that this will probably go on for a while, but I don't think it can go on without finding out what happened to the server. What happened to the servers of the Pakistani gentleman that worked on the DNC? Where are those servers? They're missing. Where are they? What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Now, you know, it's it's not an incredible... I mean, it's incredible in that he shouldn't believe it. It is incredible as in there should be lack of belief because you know, the, the Ru- Russian law enforcement, Russian government, and rule of law is, is a joke. Okay, so it's like I said, folks, I'm not... I'm, this is not the pro-Putin zone. I have no illusions about Russia. I'm just dealing in the reality of what we care about and what's really going on here. And I think Trump got a little ahead, got a little over his skis on that one. And he's like, well, you know, he's trying to make a good impression on Putin. He's trying to mend this relationship. And he knows the media is just trying to play got you and antagonize him and have him insult Putin to his face and all this stuff. Uh, never before is that, you know, for, for decades, the media, when the communists in, in the Soviet Union were threatening to annihilate, truly annihilate us, to truly actually destroy our country and our civilization and murder all of us in the process. The left was always like, well, you know, I think they've got some good ideas and we shouldn't be so harsh with them. And, you know, now that Russia is like a is a, a shadow of what it once was and and we've had this strained relationship with them for a number of years. You know, Trump is trying to reach out and look, how dare you, sir? Russia, so evil. But on this point about whether he believes the intelligence community, he believes the Russians. I'm just going to put this out there. Not only have we had some intel community stuff in the past, as, as the left will tell you, under other circumstances, was a big problem. You've got the former CIA director under Obama today calling Trump a traitor, saying that he's treasonous, which means he's a traitor. You have the former FBI director, James Comey, under Obama, sharing this. This was the day an American president stood on foreign soil next to a murderous lying thug and refused to back his own country. Patriots need to stand up and reject the behavior of this president. The head of the CIA, the former director of national intelligence under Obama, Clapper, the former director of the FBI, 
Comey, the former deputy director of the FBI, McCabe, the former acting attorney general of the United States, Sally Yates. These are all people who are in the intel community world at the very top who are rank partisans who want to destroy Trump, bring him down, ruin his presidency, and end this. Are we allowed to think about that at all when it comes to how much Trump is just going to say, yeah, whatever the intelligence community says now? Are we allowed to think about how a dossier became the basis, in part, for a FISA warrant from within this whole intelligence community process we're talking about here? Are we allowed to say, you know, that, that seems a little problematic. Maybe that same IC, that same group of bureaucracies and agencies could use a, a second look when it comes to Trump-related issues. And, and that's what's really forbidden to say here, folks. That's what they really don't want you to get to. If, if you were Trump, and I have, we have to go into a break here, or else I'm going to run over a station break and we're going to get into problems. But if you were Trump, oh, and Michael Hayden in there too, tweeting out photos of concentration camps saying that's Trump's policy at the border. Would you think that the assessments that these people oversee were fair to you? Uh, let me let me dig into that a little more. When we come back because I know this process, and I don't think anyone else you're going to listen to on radio does. Quite honestly, I know it from doing it, from being involved in it. Stay with me; we'll get back to it. Would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin? Would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again? Where is the server? I want to know where is the server and what is the server saying? With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server You know, Trump doesn't also want to do what the media is trying to get him to do all the time, which is to insult Putin and just just play by their tune. He just doesn't want to do it. And why would he have any trust in in the media? I mean, he he knows who's out to get him and they've staked their careers on it. What do they really think happens if if there is no you know, there's no collusion? I'm going to talk about the Mueller indictments a little more coming up, especially in light of what happened today. What happens over at CNN? Everyone just kind of moves on and acts like the main story they've been running with for 18 months now is, yeah, you know, no big deal. So we were wrong about that one. There's nothing there. I also can't help but notice that this phenomenon of every major former intel and law enforcement bureaucrat from a Democrat administration has come out forcefully and in every way possible against a sitting president. You want to talk about undermining institutions, the former FBI director, the former acting attorney general, the former deputy director of the FBI, the former CIA director, the former director of national intelligence, they are all anti-Trump zealots. This is not normal. It used to be the case that once you had served in these roles, you would, sure, you go into private sector, you do some consulting, maybe you write a book, but you don't leap into the political fray, and you certainly... Don't let it be thought widely that you have access to inside information about, you know, just how this president is really a traitor. I mean, you're not going to say you have it, but, you know, you want everyone to think you got it, which Brennan has certainly done, which is completely unethical, by the way, and, and, and absolutely undermines, uh, again, the faith that anybody, including Trump, should have in these institutions. 
given all the stuff the intel community, given all the stuff that these senior folks, remember, it's not the rank-and-file analysts and officers, but given what, what's been going on at the top level, wouldn't it be kind of crazy if Trump didn't have a little bit of like, yeah, those guys, you know, we'll look at it. He's not saying he doesn't trust their analysis of North Korean nuclear weapons. He's saying he doesn't trust their analysis of him. That's a big difference. If you want to be competitive in today's marketplace, you have to have the best information possible at your disposal, my friends. That's where Global Verification Network comes in. They are the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company. Look, I know the CEO personally, and I know how seriously he takes the work of his company. The risk mitigation experts that he has, they're based in Chicago. They're all across the country. They will make sure that your case gets the attention that it deserves and that you get all the answers you need in a timely fashion. They also make sure that the information they have on your background investigation and vetting cases is kept here in the States. They don't offshore it in terms of the work. They don't offshore it in terms of the servers. That's really important. They have total control of the process. Go to mygvn.com or call 877-695-1179. That's mygvn.com or 877-695-1179. Global Verification Network. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Let's go into clip 14, John. Let's hear what Putin had to say about an AP reporter on whether Russia obtained dirt on Trump. <laughs> I did heard this rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect, but back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Let's take St. Petersburg Economic Forum, for instance. There were over 500 American businessmen, the high-ranking, the high-level ones. I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Well, do you think that we try to collect compromising material on each and every single one of them? Well, it's difficult to Imagine another nonsense of a bigger scale than this. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. So so there you had Putin, apparently now the scariest man in the world for everybody, right? He's been scary for a long time, or he's been the same guy for a long time, but now we're all supposed to be really worried about him because Trump won the election. you got to remember, this is, all, this is all just an extension of Trump is president, he wasn't supposed to be president, Hillary's supposed to be president, People lost power, lost prestige, lost jobs, and they're mad. And that drives all of this now. The media thought they were going to have eight years of Hillary. Think about what a think about what a fantastic media nirvana it would be for CNN and MSNBC if they had had a Hillary presidency. Oh, just strolling over to the White House, you know? Oh, yes, we're that's right. We're the media. We have no without without fear or favor. Ha ha ha! Hey, Hills, good to see you. I mean, the whole thing. But yeah, here, here we are now. And, and the press asks a question before I get into 
Putin's answers. There, you're at Putin responding at this uh, press conference today, the Helsinki summit, the treason summit. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the Helsinki summit, and and they're asking Putin, "Do you have compromised information on Trump?" That's a dis. That's just meant to disrespect the president, our president. That's all that is. Is there any universe in which in which uh, Vladimir Putin says, "Oh yeah, yes, we've got all the the very bad information on him"? No, of course not. There's no universe in which that's going to be a thing. Uh, but they want to push on this because the press believes this. They think they have compromising information on Putin. Now, let me also say the Russians are, from an intelligence perspective, very aggressive. And it, it would not surprise me to find out that they do uh, have comprom- compromat, as they call it, uh, or compromat, or however you say it in Russian. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they had that on a whole bunch of businessmen, but what do the, what do we really think they could have on Trump that's so bad that they could change his behavior? You know, let's. I mean, even this thing, the dossier and the you know the the P tape and all the stuff they've talked about, the media still believes that. I guess I guess they still believe this. I think what they also understand is you know. There's nothing that is conceivable at this point that they could come out with as a story about Trump where people would say, oh, well, well, now he's, you know, now it's gone too far. I mean, it's just, they're just grasping. They're grasping. There's nothing there. And if Putin had this information on Trump, uh, what is what is really the end game? How does Trump think this really goes? He's, he's going to trust Putin. all along. Why would he put himself in such a compromising situation in the first place? He doesn't have to do this. So and the, whole, the whole thing just strikes me as, as complete and, and utter garbage. But I, I wanted to get into something else here. Um, and that is the hacking and the propaganda as two different components of this. Right. There's hacking and there's propaganda. Let's now, and that was the whole the Russian effort that we know of during the uh, during the election. You also have this woman today uh, arrested in D.C. for essentially FARA violations, Foreign Agent Registration Act violations. Maria Butina, who studied at American University and is the founder of the pro-gun Russian advocacy group Right to Bear Arms, um, and. Uh, she was accused of operating the direction of a high-level official who worked for the Russian Central Bank. And they're effectively saying she was a Russian agent without declaring herself. And also they're charging her with conspiracy, which I will tell you is the most sweeping and malleable of all federal prosecutorial tools that exist. Conspiracy is like two people that have bad thoughts about something that the government doesn't like. And that's a little bit of a simplification, but they, they conspiracy is, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things out there. But so what are we really talking about here? What did she really do um, in the Justice Department's complaint? It says that, quote, Butina worked with two unnamed U.S. citizens and the Russian official to try to influence American politics and infiltrate a pro gun rights organization. Um, and Butina allegedly arranged dinners in Washington and New York and tried to develop relationships with American politicians to establish back-channel lines of communication to penetrate the U.S. national decision-making apparatus. So she's working as, a, as, an, as an agent. We would call this an agent of influence, and she didn't register. 
Nothing in this about actual espionage or trying to get classified information or anything like that, but she's working as an agent of influence for the Russians. Okay, so they're going to they're gonna nail her now. But what, what did... Did she accomplish anything? Did anything actually happen? And this is where you look at, again, hacking and propaganda. The hacking was the DNC server, some state election servers. So, and these are phishing scams, which are very easy to pull off. I mean, they're illegal, but it is, it is prank-level expertise required to do this. And then there's the propaganda component, which is Facebook and Twitter and the, the pushing stories out there. You know, there's, there's a part of me that just sits around and says... We're we're really talking about a whole lot of nothing here. And if people want to, they want to get all energized about the Russians and interfering in our process. You know, this is a true thing. And I, and I know I, I criticized the president before for, well, we're bad, but they're bad. You know, everyone's bad. That's not that's not good. But I will say that we interfere in stuff all the time. I mean, we don't hack, but we we've got U.S. based, uh, you know, NGOs that go over and, you know, they they're. You're trying to undermine this regime or that regime. We occasionally go in and we flip a government and, you know, please, there's a lot of there's a So there is a lot of stuff that we do that is interfering. I'm not saying it's unethical or immoral. I'm not even saying it's bad that we interfere. But this notion of you can't, you know, you can't spread anti-government propaganda or you can't spread, you know, memes or things that favor one government over another is an interesting new standard we're engaged in it's also not new that the russians have been doing this to us in all kinds of ways for a very long time i'm just waiting to see when somebody decides to look into you know how long have the russians been doing this facebook and twitter have been around a long time here's a here's a prediction if anybody really wanted to look under the hood we would find that the russians have done hacking and propaganda stuff stretching back for a decade at least that they were you know, inflaming tensions in the U.S. under the Obama administration. They've been doing this for a long time. They've also created a situation where all they have to do is hack into one email account of one government official and maybe release some email that's a little, you know, embarrassing. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. And the election is now to be considered questionable, right? Now the election is maybe something we can't really trust. What could be a bigger victory for the Kremlin than that? You want to talk about undermining our institutions, this is undermining at the very core and, 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 and in perpetuity. This is what I keep saying. I asked the director of national intelligence, point blank, what could we do to stop this? You know what the answer was? Uh, nothing. 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 What, what, what are you going to stop? And tell people don't be an idiot and open a phishing email? Guess what? Unless you're going to lock off the U.S. Internet, that's not going to happen. Don't don't let people set up fake, you know, don't essentially let the Russians catfish us. But on politics. Never going to happen. So this is not going away, right? This is the other part of this. And no one ever wants to. Oh, why isn't he saying more about Putin and Trump? Oh, my gosh. All the media hysterics around this. When you really look at it. One, nothing really happened, which I know people lose their minds to me when I say this to them who are liberals. But it's true. Nothing really happened. It wasn't some fundamental attack on our democracy. Unless you equate Podesta, the DNC server, and some some Facebook memes with our democracy. And I know we're not really a democracy, but we'll get into that another time. Uh, but this is this is crazy. This is delusional. N- you know, n- nothing really happened, and and more maybe to the point right now, we don't have any idea how we could even change this going forward.
people say we need to we, this is the this is the dishonesty okay let me let me look at the investigation top down because i'm seeing a lot of republicans saying well it's really about the russian interference in the election bull crap you don't need a special counsel for the for that Department of Justice and the FBI, they can do that. They don't need you don't need any special. Oh, look at this and look, you don't need Mueller for Russian interference. That's crap. The only reason we have Mueller and this is a fact is because of the allegation that Trump's campaign was involved with the Russians. That's the only reason you have a special counsel. Otherwise, you wouldn't need a special counsel. You wouldn't have a special counsel. And, you know, the, the whole thing is, I don't know, people say, oh, Buck, the firing of Comey. Yeah, but. What was that all about, right? Well, what, what, oh, this allegation that Russia and collusion, that's why we, we even got into this discussion with, with Comey and can we trust him and what's going on? All of this, right? It all ties in together. I know it's a big mess, but you don't need a special counsel if it's about Russian interference. And Russian interference as an investigation has always just been an excuse to try and drag in the Trump administration. And piling up all these indictments and hat tip Andy McCarthy for writing this to National Review. I've been saying it all along too. piling up these, these indictments are this is clown show stuff. This is a joke. None of these Russians are ever going to be handed over. People say, oh, well, maybe if Trump pushed them hard. Yeah, right. Folks, this is essentially an intelligence operation. Uh, this is this is in the realm of espionage, not law enforcement. GRU officers messing around online, impersonating people and hacking into accounts. Uh, this is stuff that, one, you generally don't want to expose that you're aware of it, and two, there's no universe, there is no reality in which Vladimir Putin's like, yeah, I'm going to hand over some of my military intelligence guys to you to see what goes on. So this is, people say, oh, look at this, more indictments, more indictments, more indictments. Um, are we going to start subjecting our intelligence? Here, here's, here's one problem. John Brennan one, said one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard in my life about intelligence. And he was CIA director for four years. So this is really astonishing. Brennan said, and I'm not exact in the quote, but this is in, in substance what he said. We don't steal secrets in the CIA. We don't steal secrets in the U.S. intelligence community. That's a lie. Or Brennan's a moron. I don't know. I mean, it could be both. We steal all the time. That's what espionage is. We steal. We meddle. We mess around. We do underhanded stuff. We do it for the greater good. We do it to, you know, help freedom and justice in America and the world. But we do break other countries' laws, folks. That's what espionage is. Are we now going to sub, uh, subject our intel community to the laws of other countries when it comes to whatever stuff they may catch us on? Think about that for a moment. Because that's really what this is. This isn't simple criminality. This isn't, hey, there's a murderer that's hiding in Moscow. Will you hand him over? They might actually do that. This is something else. And we've completely lost sight of this. Because it's useful for the left to say, oh, look at all these indictments. There's all this criminality. It's, it's, this is, again, a counter, this is a counterintelligence investigation that they're dressing up as a criminal investigation for political purposes. And the political purpose is hurt Trump, hit Trump. That's what this is about. Whew. Man, we're covering a lot of ground today. I'm sorry. I haven't even asked for any calls on the lines. I'm sorry. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Uh, We've got a little more on that. I, I do want to get to this Ocasio-Cortez. And third hour, by the way, we're going to get away from all this stuff. I've got to talk to you about a, a transgender activist who's telling kids that, well, I can't even. You're going to have to listen to it. I'll, I'll tell you what it is in the third hour. Uh, also, I'll talk to you about this uh, new 
What Is America show that's out, or Who Is America show that's out with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Some thoughts on that. And then just something that's, it's something that's inspiring. It's going to be a little sad, but it's inspiring. I think you should all hear it. So we've got a really unique and different third hour of the show coming up. So please stay around for that. Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, oh, so much more. Stay with me. A single ominous question now hangs over the White House. What could possibly cause President Trump to put the interests of Russia over those of the United States? Millions of Americans will continue to wonder if the only possible explanation for this dangerous behavior is the possibility that President Putin holds damaging information over President Trump. (laughs) What a clown. No, millions of people do not or, or only think that because you tell them. This is crazy. There's no evidence for this. There's nothing. They have produced nothing. They have nothing. Trump is a is a internationally famous billionaire. What what does Putin have on him? I mean, this is this is. But they go out and say it. This is just like Mitt Romney's tax returns, right? Remember that with Harry Reid? Just say a lie, damage him. Doesn't matter. This is why when they say, "Oh, Trump lied about this or that," I'm like, "Hey, yeah, lied about what he had for breakfast. Who cares? You guys lie about real stuff. This is a big lie." Millions of Americans. No, Schumer, they're not. But but I want to give you a little bit of honesty before we get to Ocasio Cortez. A little bit of honesty and analysis here. On the notion of pressing Putin on meddling, I thought Bolton was was very much correct on this. This is what I would have said. Play 18. I think it's pretty silly for the president to demand something that he can't get legally. Uh, and this is a very serious matter. You know, the Russians take the position, you can, you can like it or not like it, uh, that their constitution forbids them to extradite Russian citizens. I think uh, for the president to demand something that isn't going to happen uh, puts the president in a weak position. Yeah, but they just want to just antagonize him, antagonize him. Just, you know, let's get in Putin's face, you know, just maybe slap him a little bit. Just come on. Come on, Trump. Do it. Do it. Do it. That's what they're saying. These people are these people cannot be taken seriously. They are unserious. Rand Paul crushing it today, by the way. Great stuff. I, we don't have the audio, but producer Mike, that's on me because I didn't ask for this one. Um, Rand Paul said on Wolf Blitzer show, quote, this is our senator, Rand Paul from Kentucky. He gets a high five. Quote, any country that can spy does, and any country that can meddle in foreign elections does. All countries are doing this, Rand Paul said, but we've elevated this to a higher degree, and we've made this all about the sour grapes of Hillary Clinton losing the election, and it's all about partisan politics now. This is truly the Trump derangement syndrome that motivates all of this. Amen. Standing ovation. Senator Rand Paul, when everybody else is running for cover, doing the high and mighty thing, oh, we're just standing with America and Trump's still with the dictator. Rand Paul's like, come on, guys. Come on. What is going on here? What, we're going to accuse you? Is Rand Paul an agent? What, what do they have on Rand Paul and when do they have it? You know, what kind of, what kind of compromise does the Kremlin have on Rand Paul? I mean, please. Uh, by the way, I don't think that's beyond them. I, I'm sure. Give it time. We'll be hearing about, oh, you know, Rand Paul once went to a, a restaurant and, and ordered borscht, and it wasn't even on the menu. And, you know, there's, they'll come up with something. But Rand Paul's analysis is spot on. I mean, it's, it's what I think, too, which is just that everything, it's all so, it's just hyperventilation for the media over all this stuff. They've created this 
insane, hypersensitive atmosphere over all things Russia, all things Trump and Putin. And it's just all nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, the left's new rising star, who took out one of the most prominent Democrat machine congressmen, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, she's got problems with stuff that involve, you know, knowing things. We'll get to that next. holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. The economy is going pretty strong, right? There's roughly 4% unemployment, 3.9% unemployment. Um, Do you think that capitalism has failed to deliver for working class Americans or is no longer the best vehicle for working class Americans? Well, I I think the numbers that you just talked about is part of the problem, right? Because We look at these figures and we say, oh, unemployment is low. Everything is fine, right? Well, unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their kids. And so I do think that right now when we have this no-holds-barred, Wild West hyper-capitalism, what that means is profit at any cost. Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and it will not always exist in the world. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, who is that, uh, that, that incredible, in the pantheon of ignorance, who is this person that we have to add to the, to the you know, add a statue? Uh, that's Ocasio-Cortez, who won, I just get annoyed because I don't like hyphenated last names. I know some of you probably have them. I'm sorry. I'm just not a fan, okay? It's nothing. It's not about Ocasio-Cortez. I just don't like hyphenated last names, period. Pick a last name, all right? I don't want to have to expend all this extra breath. Pick a last name. That's one. Two, yeah, capitalism. Not so great, right? It's only elevated more people out of poverty, misery, and early death than any other system devised in the history of the planet. But sure, Capitalism hasn't always existed, so maybe it won't always exist. This is who the Democrats are elevating as the future of their party. I kid you not, I do not exaggerate. The future of the Democratic Party. Uh, uh, Alejandra uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Alexandria, pardon me. Ocasio-Cortez. The future of the party, they say. Just defeated Crowley, the number four Democrat in the House, I guess. Number three Democrat, whatever he was. Been in there for like 20 or 30 years. Long time. Somebody is like, yeah, you know, capitalism. Not so great. And just all of it. 80 hours a week. I'm not going to be honest with you. I've never heard of anybody who's actually working a job for wages at 80 hours a week who has trouble feeding themselves. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying, wow. Because that's usually a work ethic that people would, you know, there, there would be ways to capitalize on just that work ethic. That would make you more money than I just. But, you know, you can't ever pin people down on this stuff, right? Oh, you know, they're working five jobs and can't feed. You know, this class struggle rhetoric is always about stories that never are really about anyone. It's just about everyone. So that means it's about nothing at the same time. Um, But she she got a little caught up there beyond the usual social justice warrior rhetoric. And they love they think this woman is incredible. Right. She ran. She's just all about. Oh, by the way, she's, you know, abolish ice abolish capitalism, all this stuff. All the things that, dare I say, have made America great. 
she's got problems with capitalism, free enterprise, private property, you know, that kind of stuff. Seems she's got issues with that. I'm not saying she wants to get rid of all of it, but she's got issues with it for sure. And this is, I remember the media fawning profiles of her. Oh my gosh. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, she's the future of the Democrat. She's the female Bernie Sanders. That's kind of what they're female Latina telegenic Bernie Sanders. That's what they're going for. You're going to see a lot more of this young lady. I mean, she's, you know, not even in Congress yet. And you're going to, oh, my gosh, she's going to media superstar. MSNBC is going to put her on every five minutes. But there's a little problem because when she got when she gets away from the social justice rhetoric, she's got to know some stuff. And um, well, I'll let you decide for yourself, folks. Here's her version of what's going on with Israel and and Palestine. Play clip one. But uh, I am, of course, the, the dynamic there in terms of geopolitics of and the course. war in the Middle East is very different than mm. people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, here she is. That yes, was the but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm-hmm. come from on this issue. You use the hmm. term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um... Oh. I think it, what I meant yeah. is, like, the the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert <laughs> on geopolitics on this issue. That's for sure. Are you having a, you know, just remember, folks, I can see Russia from my house is a line that millions of Americans believe Sarah Palin said. They're sure she, she said it. She never said it. Tina Fey, pretending to be Sarah Palin to skewer her on Saturday Night Live, said it. And Sarah Palin correctly said at the time and look i'm not a, i'm actually not a big sarah palin fan for whatever that's worth so just put that aside uh but sarah palin correctly said that you know russia is actually really close to alaska so i do have some you know there's russian you know there's russian uh flights that test the radar defenses that come near here i mean she was making and you can see russia from you know across the bering strait i mean there were some you know, she's trying to talk about how she's got a little bit of exposure. Look, governors do this all the time. You know, oh, yeah, I, I can call the National Guard. I've got military experience. Like, well, like, not really, but. But, you know, I can see Russia from my house. She never said that, but they made it seem like she said that. You know, Ocasio-Cortez, what do you think about the occupation? Well, well, it's like the it's like the housing and like the access and, you know, humanitarian and justice, social justice and, you know, the community and activism and you know just just blather just blather and why not just say you know i don't i don't look i don't really have much on that i'll honestly uh, i'm focused more on my district and what i can do in congress right that's that's an answer i i can't fault that answer but you know yeah like social justice because social justice warriors are just supposed to have a script they're, they're not supposed to know anything about these issues they're just supposed to know what they're supposed to say so she kind of knew what she was supposed to say, but she didn't know anything about what she was talking about. And that's what you saw there. And if it wasn't if it wasn't her, if it was a Republican, oh, my gosh, in all the jokes and the media, you will see not a single you will not see a, a sketch about on about this interview on SNL. You will not see people making fun of this. They will move right on past this. Whereas here's somebody who's running for Congress who doesn't even know what she doesn't know. 
That's my real problem. It's not that she has to be an expert in Israeli-Palestinian politics. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. She doesn't know enough not to pretend not to know. And she's hostile to capitalism. And this is the future of the Democratic Party, folks. Yay! This is what they're offering up. Pretty depressing when you get into it, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, Speaking of Democrats and socialists and the left, uh, what happens when your city becomes overrun with poop? The thing that's happening in a Democrat stronghold. We will talk about why in just a moment. You're a native of San Francisco. Is this the worst you've seen it? I will say um, that there is more there's more feces on the sidewalks than I've ever seen, you know, growing up here. That was something that did not wasn't the norm. That you've uh, ever seen. Than I've ever seen for sure. And that is a huge problem. And we're not just talking about from from dogs, we're talking about from humans. Poop on the streets. Not usually what you would hear a mayor of a major U.S. city talking about, but sure enough, uh, San Francisco mayor, London Breed, is willing to admit that there's more poop on the streets now than ever before. I'm willing to guess by a lot. You see, here we, we are once again treated or forced to endure, probably a better way of putting it, the end results of liberal do-gooderism at the expense of civic virtue, decency, public order, all of those things that sound like they're just for squares, man. Like, they just don't, like, why can't we all just, like, just be free and, like, live in the streets, man, like, live in the, like, tents and, like, go around with, like, my, my adopted dog that I just, like, borrow from different friends so I can, like, get more cash off of people when I walk around. I am not talking. I want to be very clear here about the uh, homelessness epidemic that comes from people who are struggling with severe mental illness, severe drug abuse, severe alcoholism, or, or any of those. That's real. It's, a, it's been a problem for a long time, and those people deserve as much support as we can give them. We as a society owe it to them and ourselves to do everything we can within our power to be as decent to those people as we can because they're deeply struggling. I'm talking about those who decide to opt out of being productive citizens who are able-bodied, of sound mind, and they just choose vagrancy. This is a thing. I passed tents on the street on my way into work today here in D.C. There is a park right near where I'm doing this broadcast that is effectively an open-air campsite. Well, I guess all campsites are open-air, but open-air homeless shelter, really. But... A lot of a lot of the people you'll see are um, they're well, I mean, look, I've there's differences when you see homeless people of different, you know, that look like they're dealing with different things. I'm I'm seeing people that have Osprey camping backpacks, which I which are fancy, which I know from my time when I used to go overseas with, you know, legit camping gear stuff. Uh, People that have, you know, Arcteryx and Osprey gear who are uh, traveling around and look like they've you know, have access to showers and look like they have access to clean clothing and, and they just park themselves on the street, ask for money, 
a lot of them are able bodied, by the way. A lot of them are a lot of them are Caucasian twenty somethings that you'll see in in New York and DC, yes, but much more so in San Francisco and so you know, this is not your stereotypical problem of homelessness that is affecting uh disproportionately those with uh you know mental health and or, and uh substance abuse issues disproportionately affecting minority communities in this country. This is something else. This is the choice of vagrancy. It's like homeless by decision or homeless because we want to be. Because it's a lifestyle now. And you see this with with these campsites that are popping up. All They're all over Los Angeles. They're, San Francisco is the worst. Now, to be fair, I haven't been in San Francisco in a number of years. I've been in L.A. just a matter of months ago. And I could see it in L.A. all over the place. In San Francisco, I'm assuming it's even worse. But you see, you know, so there's that's the background for this. But the, how liberalism comes into play here is as follows. You know how this goes. Oh, come on. They're not bothering anybody. Why are you being so heartless? Why they're down on their luck? Why are you being so mean? Why would you have, you know, law enforcement enforce vagrancy statutes? Why would you tell people they can't camp out on the street? They're not bothering you. They're not causing you any problems. They're not causing the city any problems. And, and you know, and then again, this whole thing about it's like a class struggle issue. And, you know, like I'm some guy or you're some guy or gal who's walking around stepping over these vagrants with a, a top hat on a monocle. Being like, can't they just get them out of here? No, this is about. Do you want to be able to walk your kids to school in your neighborhood if you live in some of these? I know a lot of you are like, Buck, we don't have this problem where I live, but, you know. Congrats. I know you also measure your homes in acreage, not in square feet like I do, because, you know, I live in a box. But the, uh, you know, can you walk your kid to school without your kid being exposed to people who are urinating, defecating in the street, which is what we're talking about here, right? You know, San Francisco is turning into Poopsville now because they got people that just are going in the street all over the place. Uh, Urinating and defecating in the street, uh, having sex in maybe in like a tent or some kind of a but you know out in public uh you know you, you wouldn't be able to, you, you can't just park your car in a lot and just get busy in the back seat you can't just have a tent in a public park and just start going wild on each other that's all that that's a problem people are having sex out in public squares urinating and defecating doing drugs because there, look there are drug addicts among i'm not saying that you know this isn't just the kind of vagrant uh, by choice set or people that are also doing drugs or some people aren't severely drug addicted yet, but will become they're doing drugs, leaving garbage everywhere, which is also a problem. They're leaving their trash all over the place. And there are health risks from this. You know, there's the very real risk of spread of disease that, you know, the things that you would see in close quarters, whether in a prison or, in, you know, a military encampment in the front lines. I think of like World War One era, you know, stuff can spread very quickly. So you've got public health concerns, but none of that, you, you know, you have to suffer through it all before liberals will actually start to uh, deal with the reality of it because they just want to feel good about themselves. You know, San Francisco, hey, man, like we just say like San Francisco, like we just want everyone to feel like they can be themselves and like wild out and like whatever. Meanwhile, here's what a preschool teacher, Adelita Orellana so not exactly Thurston Howell the third. Here's what she had to say. Quote, we see poop, we see pee, we see needles, and we see trash. She says that her kids sometimes ask what it is, and that's a conversation that's a little difficult to have with a two-year-old, but we just let them know that those things are full of germs, that they are dangerous, and they should never be 
touched. There are 7,500 homeless people living full-time in San Francisco, according to the city. By the way, I'm sure the number's a lot larger than that. Which will spend $280 million this year on housing services for the homeless. Breed said San Francisco's high cost of living cast the city's homeless onto the streets. Quote, about 70% of the people estimated to be homeless in San Francisco were actually housed in San Francisco before they became homeless. (sighs) Unclear how Breed will hold public defecators accountable. She said Friday that harsher penalties for offenders are not on the table. Uh, instead, she directed her criticism toward homeless advocacy groups. This is all courtesy of the Daily Caller, who's, uh, who she said aren't doing a good enough job teaching their clients how to keep the streets clean. Oh, that's right, folks. Like a classic liberal, instead of thinking about the overall policy, the ordinance and everything else with the poo and the pee all over the streets now, it's the pro- it's the fault of the people trying to help the homelessness epidemic for not doing a good enough job training the homeless people not to urinate and defecate in public. This is liberalism 101. This is what happens, right? Whether it's Venezuela or the streets of San Francisco, it starts with, well, we just want to be nice and have the good ideas. And like, we don't want to be like, you know, a square and be tough on people or anything. Like maybe we can just give everybody what they want and nobody has any responsibility and nobody's ever held accountable. And <gasps> Bad things happen. When you apply liberalism, when you take the doctrines of the left and make them into a reality, bad things happen. And San Francisco is just the, the latest, very, very stinky, very smelly example of that. And, uh, I, I, I now I've got to I got to go and do some. Actually, I don't want to do this kind of field research. Sounds like it's not going to be that fun. Uh, I want to talk to you about a transgender activist who is competing in the Miss Universe competition, female, male to female. Uh, and then I have something that's going to hopefully inspire you a little bit coming up in the next hour. Uh, definitely worth staying around for. Stay with me. I want to tell you what I love about Simply Safe. These guys are all about the details, and that's why the alarm system they give you is so good. Also, they're all about customer service. They're not locking you into a long-term contract. They're not trying to trick you with fine print to make you pay and pay and pay. No, no. They want to help you be in full control of the security situation at your home. I have a Simply Safe system. I can tell you it is so easy. It is foolproof. The entire interface is very straightforward. It runs off your Wi-Fi, and you can check in on it remotely. So wherever you are, it's like you're carrying your home security system in your pocket so you know your stuff and your family is safe. It gives you 24-7 monitoring, and there's no contract at all. Go check it out for yourself. Protect your home today. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck. No contracts, no games. Simplysafe.com slash buck for the best security system in the business. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. You know, I try to have an open mind when it comes to the uh, other side of, of the argument. You know, I, I really do. And, and I read a lot of... Democrat left-wing publications. Uh, I like to know what the other side thinks. I like to be familiar with their arguments. And 
have an, an understanding of them culturally as much as I can, which also it helps being a born and raised New Yorker. You get a sense of what Democrats are like and what they think because you're surrounded by them. But, but then I see things like this, and I wasn't even looking for this over the weekend, and I should probably bring myself to just not look at Twitter over the weekend, but I, I had to share this with you, okay? This is, this is a piece that the New York Times tweeted out. Here's, here's the initial, this is what they shared, okay? This is from the New York Times, the premier liberal publication in the United States, and therefore I think you can argue at least in the world. And it certainly has among the largest circulations. They put out a piece. This is I'm reading this word for word. Okay, this is there's no exaggerations. There's no omissions. This is exactly what it says. Quote. Spain's beauty queen is a transgender activist with a message for the school children she visits. There are women with a penis and men with a vagina because the only key part of being a woman is to be and feel like a woman. There is so much wrong. That's the end of the quote. There is so much wrong there. I I was somewhat flabbergasted by this. Um, I, and I want to walk you through some of this because even even given that I, I'm aware of how the left is undergoing a mass delusion right now politically and they're out of power and they realize that Americans don't really agree with them on stuff and that they have to import non-Americans to shore up their voting and there's all kinds of stuff that's that's going on here. Uh, but this is just crazy. And and I, I look at this, there, there's a number of, of levels of crazy. Let me just start with this. This is a a person who is visiting small children a transgender activist who is visiting small children who is promoting the message, according to the New York Times, that women have a penis and men have a vagina. Now, that is false. That is not a true statement. But the New York Times is treating it with, with the utmost seriousness and, uh, and believes that this deserves respect as a position. Obviously, they're writing a piece on this. But to subject children, before I even get into the inherent falsehoods here, to subject children to this should be beyond the pale. I mean, I think this has told us something about where the situation is right now and how bad the situation is that you have kids who are being subjected to this. Okay? You know, if people want to play... You know, left-wing progressive super activist on their own time. That's one thing. But to go and be telling little school kids, we're talking about school children, okay, little kids, uh, that men have that that women can have a penis and men can have a vagina. One that is that is biologically and anatomically false, and two, it it doesn't it reek of brainwashing and propaganda. I don't think we need to expose. I don't know of any other. Uh, I, I, I never had a beauty queen. I can tell you this. I never had a Miss America contestant come by my school when I was like, you know, in the fifth grade just to tell us about the birds and the bees or anything. OK, that didn't happen. It doesn't strike me as normal in any regard. So first, the fact that they're going after kids with this stuff, I, I find that on its face very disturbing. But then you get into more of this. And, you know, this uh, this particular 
uh, person. And, and I, I don't know, guys. A- am I now? Am I now legally? The New York Times refers to uh, this person as she everywhere. Uh, Angela Ponce. They refer to her as she. Do I? Ha- am I now a bigot if I don't say she? Am I going to get sued if I don't say she? Am I in trouble? Are people going to come to my defense if I get in trouble for not saying she? I, you know, I, I'm not going to be uh, the the lone guy who charges the machine gun nest on this one, if you know what I mean. Uh, no, thank you. You know, if, ever, if everyone else is going to sit back and say, yeah, she. Well, what are we supposed to do? You know, I try to stand for the truth here, but I'm also not going to expose myself. Pardon the expression. I'm not going to. Uh, put myself in a vulnerable position here because I want to tell the truth while everybody else has already caved. So anyway, so for the purposes of now, we'll say she, because I don't know much more about this person than that, and that's what they're writing in this piece. But let's just start with that. Angela Ponce says about her, she she's going to be the first uh, person to ever compete in the Miss Universe contest, which is for women, as a biological male. So now we have a biological male competing in the Miss Universe competition, uh, which is, you know, the, the choice that anybody is, it's an organization, they can make whatever rules they want, fine. But what I just find fascinating is the, the diluted rhetoric around a lot of this, and how the New York Times is obviously celebrating this. And you could say, oh, Buck, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Well, actually, politics is downstream from culture. And here I am reading to you from the premier publication of the the left in this country, the the flagship mainstream media news publication in the United States. And it's referring to a man as she everywhere and celebrating how he is now a she who is competing in a female beauty pageant. And is telling little kids that this is great and that men have a men have a vagina and women have a penis. And we're supposed to all sit here and clap and nod our heads and say, yeah, isn't this great? I mean, the left is the left has just lost it. I don't know. You know, I, I could sit here and have a talk with somebody about minimum wage and workers rights and voting rights. And, you know, there's stuff where people can people of good faith can disagree. But if you're going to tell me that there are 37 genders, you're going to tell me that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. We're going to have a problem. And I'm not trying to be mean. You know that I'm probably too nice. If anything, it's probably one of the biggest knocks on me in this industry. I'm too nice to people probably just start throwing haymakers all the time but here's what uh ponce we'll just go with that said quote her recent success as a beauty queen has brought her admirers but also plenty of attacks mostly from other women she said what strikes me is that a lot of the criticism has come from women and people from my own collective just when women are taking to the streets to ask for recognition she said I find it weird that some women don't tolerate that I go to a competition uh, to represent my country as the woman that I am. She added, if we want progress, we just have to stop looking whether what other women are doing is good or not. I don't know what that that doesn't that doesn't really seem to mean very much. But anyway, and then there are women with a penis and men with a vagina because the only key part of being a woman is to be and feel like a woman. You know, I. It's just not true. And I sit here and I look around and I say, at, at what point do we... This person had had uh, um, genital recon... You know, genital whatever they... 
reconstructive surgery, or I forget what the particular term is for it. Um, when when uh, when she was sixteen, and uh, hormonal treatment and vaginal plastic surgery. Notice they have to call it vaginal plastic surgery because it's not. They cannot create female biology, folks. This is where the science is. It is what it is. We consider just like in every cell in your body, there's XX chromosome, XY chromosome. And, you know, for all the little smarty pants who are going to send me, oh, but Buck, what about when people are born with both sets of equipment? Or, oh, Buck, what about the biological irregularity that happens one in a bajillion times? I said, okay, for those people, we could have a talk about the biological reality of being, you know, intersex. But that's not what we're talking about here. That's not the standard. That's not the transgender movement. It's not rooted in biology. They're saying it's a psychological disposition that determines the biological reality. Well, uh, well, so, you know, what does that mean? You can't have it both ways, right? So, Because I've gotten already emails. You know, I had somebody, I had a doctor who was going to come on the show, bailed. Somebody that's dealt with gender dysphoria in the past, bailed. Wouldn't do it. Uh, and I've had people that won't write to me anymore or used to write to me about this issue because they just, they, you know, I'm, I'm closed-minded. I'm not closed-minded. Just tell me where I'm wrong on the facts, not on the feelings. Tell me where I'm wrong about what's real, not what people wish was real. Uh, but yeah, it's plastic surgery in the genital area because they can't actually make you a female. You cannot bear children. You you cannot undo God's... Oh gosh, I just said it. You cannot undo God's creation in that sense. It's, it's just we can't do it. Maybe at some point in the future we'll be able to, and then that's a whole other conversation about whether we should, but also... Well, at least then we'd be having a discussion based on the facts. But to feel like a woman is not the basis of being a woman. That is not true. That is a false statement. Why does the New York Times publish false statements? Why does the New York Times agonize over using plural plural pronouns for singular person? Because they want to be polite, but they don't. But they also don't want to be wrong. Them and there for one person because they're multi. They're, they're, they're multi-gender. Don't we understand that this is also becoming more of a fad now? That the people are going to be latching on to this and they're going to be, you know, not just supporters of it, but young people are going to be told, people that are struggling with their identity. Look, it's hard to be a teenager. I remember acne everywhere and, you know, no one likes you and you got all kinds of problems, right? I mean, everyone goes through all this stuff. And you go through a lot of psychological stuff too, especially as you mature, you go through puberty. And I just think this is so damaging. Hormonal surgery at 16? I didn't know anything at 16. And I know a lot more than these people who are changing their lives at 16, right? But this is just... And I, I'm, not, I'm not looking into the bowels of the internet here. I'm not grabbing some random blogger from wherever. I'm, all, I'm pulling from the, the premier newspaper of the Democratic Party and of the American left in this country and probably the most, well, the most recognizable newspaper in the world. And it's saying... He's a she, and she should be celebrated for competing in a beauty pageant. And uh, you know what's next, folks? And it's already started to happen a little bit. But just get ready for it. They are going to tell people like you and me, for the gentlemen who are, want, who are listening to this right now, they're going to tell us that if we are not sexually attracted to a person who is a transgender female, because I look at them and say, well, that is a male. I can look at their forearms. I can look at their neck. I can actually tell. Side note, I mean, but, you know, they always say, oh, you can't tell. No, actually, you can tell. You can look at their face, you can tell. 
But if you are not attracted to somebody who is transgender, and you know, this is a very personal thing, right? If you're not attracted to them, you're kind of a bigot. You're kind of bigoted. They're, mark my words. It's already started to happen. There have already been some fringy pieces on this, but that's coming next. You know, and, and the next it's going to be if you're on a dating app and somebody pretends to be a female who's actually male when you meet them and you have a problem with that, it's not that that's your choice. You're a bigot. You won't let them live their truth. You're a bad person. It, they're going to make it like you are the, the moral equivalent of a racist if you will not date somebody as a heterosexual who is transgender. It's going to happen. Mark my words. And then where are we? You know, then we're right now. I'm talking about how I got to call people. She that I know are a he just give it some time. And I'm going to have to say, yeah, if, if he as she wants to go on a date with me, then V has the right to tell me that I can't say I can't say boo about it. Whew. Crazy times we live in, folks. Crazy times. Indeed, I. This is just going to keep getting worse and worse. By the way, I've got some thoughts on the uh, This Is America thing, the Sasha Baron Cohen thing. Let me let me tell you about it when I come back. Sometimes you're going to need a pick-me-up. Sometimes you're going to need a little extra energy, whether it's getting up in the morning for that early workday call or getting fired up at the end of the day to go to the gym or just to push you through that afternoon lull. I have the answer for you. Strike Force Energy. Strike Force is veteran-owned and American-made I have been giving it out to my colleagues here at the Hill. And let me tell you, people love Strike Force. They know they can give them that little extra boost, and then it's all good-for-you ingredients, all the top kind of stuff you can get. Zero sugar, zero calories. They will fuel you through your toughest fights with Strike Force Energy. Try for yourself. You can mix it in with water, tea, lemonade, even a nice cold beer. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and our discount code BUCK. That's B-U-C-K at checkout, strikeforceenergy.com, discount code BUCK. And for every packet you buy, Strikeforce will donate a packet to military members around the globe. Strikeforce Energy is fuel for the fight. So this this is America is the uh, new series from... Sasha Baron Cohen, you know him best as. And I thought about playing some fun clips here because there's some funny Borat stuff. And I'm the only person that I've ever heard say this. Borat, the genius of Borat is that you got to make fun of essentially a, a, a regressive Islamic mentality without ever saying the guy's a Muslim. Okay. Kazakhstan's about 75% Muslim. So unless Borat happened to be some like minority Christian in Kazakhstan, guess what? He's a Muslim and he's running around saying really aggressive stuff about women and regressive stuff. Uh, and that's the only way he could get away with it. Right? Is that they, ne- they just made fun of Kazakhstan and they never got into uh, regressive Islamic fundamentalism or anything like that. So th- there was some merit in the Borat character and there were some funny bits. Uh, and I thought about playing, as, as we came back on air here, I thought about playing some of the, uh, you know, the, my name is Borat and all, all the, you know, and every, every frat boy in the country, as I've said, has a Borat voice and it's kind of easy to do and, so now Sasha Baron Cohen is back, and he's, from what I understand, spoofed a lot of different people and gotten a lot of politicians to, uh, you know, to sit down for interviews and, and make fools of themselves in one way or another. This has been a commonplace thing, right? He's making people look silly and everyone's saying, oh, ha, ha, ha. He's making all these people look so silly. Okay, fine. 
Um, that said, looking at all that, the majority of the footage I've seen so far, just in previews, is him setting up a fictional program. He plays a what's what's an Israeli security specialist, and he does a pretty funny, like exaggerated Israeli accent. Yeah, but he does this Israeli accent, and he's a you know he's like and you take the gun and you fight them with your hand and you know the whole thing, and and then he he's going to sit down and talk to members of Congress about arming toddlers with handguns and stuff. And look, it's a, it's a bit, and it works, shockingly, because people are, you know, we're, we're so binary in our thinking on this. We're so pro-gun, anti-gun that I think people get caught up and they're like, well, I'm pro-gun, so I, I guess this guy seems pro-gun. And they get conned, right? I mean, they don't really think it through, but they're getting conned. And, and there's some funny bits that come from it. I haven't seen anything that, you know, so far it's, he plays the Israeli weapons expert. He plays... Uh, and really sort of gun advocate. And then he plays a some kind of American Trump supporter character. And this is all based on just little snippets I've seen. So I have to watch more of the show. But here's just my, my big takeaway from this uh, so far. And I, if it changes, I'll let you know. And I just talked to you about a transgender beauty activist. Essentially a man in a woman's uh, beauty competition. Do you think that... Sasha Cohen or any comedian in the United States for that for that matter would make a single joke about this. Do you think they would ever make a joke about a a transgender activist, a biological male competing in female beauty competitions going and telling school children that women can have penises and men can have vaginas? Do, 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 will they ever see any humor in that whatsoever? Or, more to the point, anything worthy of derision and mockery and contempt even? No. Nothing. No jokes. No comedy there. You know, I brought it up today actually on, on the show this morning. I just said, you know, when, when Sasha Baron Cohen is going to show up at the Harvard admissions office and play, and, and play uh, you know, which of the 37 genders are you? Then, then I'll start to be a little open. I, I just feel like this is the same old lazy, oh, look at America, these, you know, these fat, hamburger-eating, gun-toting hillbillies that like Trump and they're so xenophobic and, you know, this caricature. And it's just, not only is it lazy and unfunny, it's just cowardly. It's cowardly. Because we all know there's a lot that could be mocked out there that would be edgy, that would be, ooh, wow, pushing boundaries. And these comedians like Cohen and others will not touch it. Unless I, if I'm wrong on this one, if he goes for it with some of this, I will come back and I will tell you. But so far, all I've seen is mocking the right. It just gets away. I wanted to completely change things up here, folks, and uh, just spend some time on what really matters. I, I know that we have all this the, today. I mean, the political infighting and all the nastiness is is at an extreme, which is saying a lot, given the current climate. But I saw this courtesy of, uh, of actually the New York Times, which still does do some very good reporting and some good writing here and there. But it's a story of a five-year-old boy named Garrett Michael Mathias, uh, who came home one day and had what looked like a, a stroke, uh, according to his mother, who said that his face was partially paralyzed. And it turned out that he had a very rare form of inoperable cancer. And then five-year-old 
Garrett Mathias had to go through the battle with this rare form of cancer, one that he eventually lost. Um, but he left behind his own, uh, his own obituary, which has been shared all over the place now. And uh, it's, a, it's a five-year-old's view of his life and what matters. And I, I wanted to share with you this. So this is young Garrett struggling, fighting against cancer, and what he wrote as his, as his own obituary, and it's, and it's online, uh, and we'll, we'll put it on uh, Facebook and other places so you can see it for yourselves. But here's what, here's what he wrote. Garrett Michael Mathias, a.k.a. the great Garrett Underpants. My name is Garrett Michael Bufias. My birthday is I am five years old. My address is I am a bulldog. My favorite color is blue and red and black and green. My favorite superhero is Batman and Thor, Iron Man, the Hulk, and Cyborg. When I grow up, I'm going to be a professional boxer. My favorite people are Mommy, Daddy, my sister Delfina, the grandparents with the new house, the grandparents with the camper, my cousins, Grady, that guy I took down that one time, and London Marie, my aunt Jeanette and stinky uncle Andy, those two guys, you know, my uncles, and Batman. The things I love the most, playing with my sister, my blue bunny, thrash metal, Legos, my daycare friends, Batman, and when they put me to sleep before they access my port. Things I hate, pants, dirty, stupid cancer, when they access my port, needles, and the monkey nose that smells like cherry farts. I do like the mint monkey nose, like at Mayo Radiation, and that one guy that helped me build Legos. When I die, I'm going to be a gorilla and throw poo at daddy. Burned or buried, I want to be burned, like when Thor's mommy died and made into a tree so I can live in it when I'm a gorilla. Big or small funeral? Funerals are sad. I want five bouncy houses, because I'm five. Batman and snow cones. Emily and Ryan Mathias uh, honored Garrett's final wishes by having a celebration of his life uh, this past weekend. So, that was a five-year-old's view of his life going through something that nobody should ever have to go through, particularly somebody so young in life. And despite all the pain and the fear and the uncertainty and the grief, little five-year-old Garrett was able to find joy and love and uh, loyalty and friendship and decency and kindness and things that really mattered. It would have been so easy for a boy that age, I think, to be completely despondent and closed off. But even though he knew he was writing his own obituary, folks, even though he knew his time was limited and so little time he had, he decided to make the most of it and love those around him as much as he could, enjoy his life as much as he could, and go out as much as anyone ever could on top. I think there's a lesson in that. A lesson for all of us. Not just today, but any day. 
We'll be right back. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. All right, it's time for the Roll Call. Oh, it's your favorite. It's my favorite. Let's get into it. First up here, Jeffrey writes, It is great to watch Rising and see her restraint when conversing with Crystal. She is so sure that Trump is guilty of collusion regardless of the evidence, and you try to put a word in, but she just does not seem to care what you say. Well done. Well, Jason, uh, I'm giving it a shot. I'm glad you've tuned in for Rising. Thank you very much for being a part of uh, the audience in the early days. Jason writes, got to keep you honest, brother. Ben Kingsley's real name is Krishna Pandit Banj. He is totally Indian, so your your critique about him playing Gandhi is misplaced. Just trying to keep you honest, uh, shields high. Um, You're correct. He's half half Hindu South Asian by his descent. Uh, I did not know that, so... I had to check into this, and uh, yeah, his father is a uh, Hindu uh, from India, and mother is a an Anglo-English person, so he is half. I did not know that. I thought he was stepping way up, but you know, the name kind of threw me, obviously. I uh, did not know you, but Jason, you, thank you for the, always, please, I want to get it right, so when I, when I uh, mess one up like that one, let me know, and that, that makes more sense, because it seems like quite a stretch you just have i thought it was just some i don't know i don't know what else to say i thought they just had some white dude playing gandhi but it turns out that was not the case he is uh half indian uh joshua uh, writes uh what do we have here no whoops next up here we'll go right to don hey buck i was doing my daily devotion i came across a verse that sheds light on how disillusioned from reality the left has become with trump as our president Psalms 714 says, whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth uh, to delusionment. They've wished so much evil on this president and every day they look for new way. They look for new ways to trouble him, which has them believing lies instead of truth. I know you're a man of faith. Please pray for our president. Evil will not win in the end. I've read through the Bible and I know how it ends. Well, Don, I hope you're right about evil not winning in the end. And uh, I agree. And I certainly I pray for the whole country. I pray for my fellow Americans, and, and uh, the president is, to be sure, a part of that. Uh, Erica writes, a milkshake you can indulge in. Take over ripe, browner-the-better bananas and put them in the freezer. Once frozen, peel and chop them into one-inch chunks. Put them in some milk in a blender. Mix, and you have a healthy milkshake. Add peanut butter and chocolate syrup. Not as healthy, but even yummier. From Erica. Also, you mentioned mosquitoes, and I was wondering if we will need bug spray in D.C. to go out in the evening. Erica, if you are going to have uh, exposed legs, then yes, absolutely, you will want to have some bug spray for sure. So uh, I think that's a good advice I'm giving you there. Jason writes, hey, Buck, buddy, you were talking about Friday the 13th movies the other day. I've stayed at the campsite that Friday the 13th Part 6 was filmed at. It was a tradition that my fraternity did every year, and while there, we watched the movie. It was great. Well, Jason, that is very cool. I did not know about that, and uh, thank you for sharing. All right, next up here, we have Vince, who writes, Say what you want about President Macron, but I admired him for standing in the rain to congratulate his country's world champion soccer team. 
By contrast, Putin had a guy with an umbrella. Uh, you know, Vince, I, I don't have any problem with Macron. Uh, he seems like a pretty middle-of-the-road centrist guy, wants to do the best by his country and by his countrymen and women. Uh, and yeah, I think it was a good look for him to stand out there and just get doused in the rain and, and you know, shake the guy's hands from his team. Look, a great day for the French. I, know, I like to make a lot of French jokes and French accents, but... You know, French national team really accomplished something, and, and I'm happy for the people of France. Uh, I, I would also say that I kind of wish that people wouldn't celebrate a really joyous occasion by breaking things and lighting things on fire and acting like maniacs, but only I know some of the French are doing that, but why? It just does not make any sense. I wish people would just get a grip. Lauren writes, uh... I'm officially a Commie Bear fan, and I totally remember Hanson. Well, Lauren, I'm glad you like Commie Bear. And for those of you who want to know who Commie Bear is, that's how you have to listen to the Freedom Hut podcast. We had Ann Coulter as the guest last week. I believe we have Jedediah Bila joining this week. Uh, we are going to have a great time chatting with Jedediah, and we also just talk about whatever else is on my mind. So if you have not listened already, please go and check out. The, the conversation with Ann Coulter was a ton of fun. Jedediah is an old friend of mine. You know, She was a host on The View and we're going to talk about what it's like to be a conservative in, in these behind-enemy-line situations like D.C., New York. You know, what's it like to be uh, a red-state mind in a blue-state place? You know, there you go. Candace uh, writes, following Buck, have you noticed there hasn't been a whole lot of talk in the liberal MSM about the recent SCOTUS rulings favoring Trump and conservatives? I can only assume they're not covering these things because to do so would be to legitimize Trump, his presidency, and conservative beliefs. Can you imagine the coverage these rulings would have received had they gone against President Trump from Kansas? Kansas, that's a very good point. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, the, the most obvious one would, could you just think for a second, what would it be like with the media coverage of the travel ban if they had ruled that it was unconstitutional? If the Muslim ban came down by a 5-4 decision, quote Muslim ban, and they said, you know what, this is in fact racist and wrong, and the president has no authority to do this. I think the media would have covered nothing else for almost a week. I really do. Uh, I think they would have been all over it. So you're, you're right that because these decisions went in favor of conservatives, you're just not hearing a lot about it. And that's because of the very real liberal media bias. Jeremy writes, Buck, I was introduced today to Sierra Leone, by an amazing organization that is drilling wells for clean drinking water there. It's called Let Them LOL if you want to give them a plug. Hmm. I'd like to learn more about the country and its people. Do you have any recommendations, books, online resources, etc.? Thanks. Um, I got to tell you, Jeremy, I don't. And uh, I, I, I don't have anything good for you on Sierra Leone. Um, I, I could... You know, I, I know a bit more about Nigeria because of things that maybe one day I'll be able to tell you about, but haven't been able to up to this point. You know, I I, uh, I, I don't have anything good for you on that. I, I wish I could say otherwise. Um, you know, I, I could the Biafran War on Nigeria is a book that I read and really thought was a really good. I mean, it's a good read. It's tough reading. I mean, it's when you learn about what's going on in in that part of the world. Obviously, there's been a tremendous amount of suffering and violence. Uh, but Sierra Leone is not something I know well, so if I have any good suggestions or recommendations, I'll pass along your way. I will tell you I am currently reading a book 
I mean, I've, I've several. I just finished Red Notice, I think, last week. Uh, and now I'm on to a couple of other things. One of them is I'm trying to finish Directorate S, which is the Steve Cole book on Afghanistan. It's about six or 700 pages, I think. Almost halfway through with it. I'm also in the, mid, in the middle of a book on Cortez, the Conquistador, which is just incredible. And this is another one of these. I, I want to... I, I want to write a screenplay of Cortez. This is, folks, he showed up with 500 guys, give or take, and took on an empire that, granted, didn't have steel or horses or gunpowder, but had millions of people, including hundreds of thousands of military-age males with spears and knives and swords and, you know, 500 against, in single engagements, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 500. And we think about the Battle of the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae against Xerxes and the invading Persians. This Cortez was similar, except these guys were on the move. It was 500 instead of 300, but it, it's an incredible story. Uh, and also, and this is going to be one of our writing history things. That's why, why I'm reading about this, because I want to do some of this background research. I'm going to get back to Shields High as soon as I have time in my life to do it. I love it. I don't, you know, no matter what happens. I mean, if I end up, quitting this whole media life and becoming a, you know, a, a poet farmer somewhere. I'm still going to be doing Shields High. It's just, it, I, I enjoy the history stuff too much. But if, if we're going to do writing history, one of the things that really comes up in these, in this uh, historical account of the conquistadors versus the Aztecs, Aztec civilization was was. I mean, the level of brutality and violence is, is there's nothing else that I've ever read about or seen. I mean, maybe you could compare it to, I, I mean, and, I, and I'm speaking out of Turner because I really don't know much about, you know, headhunters in uh, Papua New Guinea or that part of the world. But there was cannibalism. That was, that was common in the Aztec Empire. I mean, and not because people were starving. They would eat people because they didn't like them. They would sacrifice slaves in numbers that are mind-boggling. You know, brutally just just open them up like they're doing surgery without any anesthesia. I mean, it's just there's there are these accounts of these Spanish conquistadors showing up at these religious sites, these religious temples. And there's just blood and entrails and intestines everywhere. From human beings. I don't tell you much about that with the oh, yeah, you know, the the native populations uh, of, of the Americas and and how oppressed they were. Well, they were actually in the case of the Aztecs not just oppressing, but mass murdering each other and enslaving each other. It was bad stuff. I see. I'm already getting fired up telling you the story of it. I haven't even gotten through the book yet. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, let me get one more roll call here before we close shop for the day. Tracy writes, Hey Buck, first off, you have the best hair on TV right now. Tracy, you have the best eye of anybody watching TV. So now that I got your attention, yeah, she totally schooled me. I just watched rising, which I am learning to love. I'm a bit perplexed at Crystal's reaction to Peter Strzok's testimony. She makes a good point that there's no obvious effect on the investigation, but she fails to give the same justification to the long ongoing investigation led by Mueller that is being forgiven and even referenced every day. Typical liberal hypocrisy. I've turned quite a few of my friends onto you and I'm a faithful everyday listener. You are witty, smart, and your gurgling with gurgling gurgling literally makes me laugh out loud every time. As the, as the best analysis on television, you know, the Ford, Nixon, Reagan administrations analyzing. Keep up the good work. You are changing hearts and minds every day. Shields high, Tracy. Well, Tracy, th thank you so much for your kind remarks and also for spreading the word about the show. 
Uh, that's the single. That and checking out our sponsors, Black Rifle, Nine Line, uh, Strike Force. Go down the list. Simply Safe, all of our wonderful sponsors. Uh, please do check them out and type in the promo code so they know that you found out about them through this show. That's how we keep this Freedom Hut rocking. I'm excited to be with you all tomorrow. Until then, Shields High.